Welcome to Positively Addicted by Elizabeth Matthew. The title of today's podcast is Partiality is a Sin. James chapter 2 verses 1 to 13 truly brings about a realization or a revelation about how each one of us shows so much of partiality in different areas of our lives. The way I show partiality may not be the way that you do. Or maybe the partiality that you show may not be the way that another person in your family shows. We all have different areas of partiality. It need not be the same. But the truth of the matter is, all of us do show some form of partiality to somebody or to a situation. In James chapter 2, verses 1 onwards, I'm going to read this passage in scripture which really kind of brings to light the fact that all of us have committed this sin of partiality at some point in our lives. Chapter 2 verse 1 onwards. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, or you sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as sinners or transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Unquote. These verses are actually based on the context of a church setting. Now, most churches, if you look at it, even I'm thinking back to the churches that I've been to, we find that there is a lot of partiality. Sometimes it's unspoken, sometimes it's very obvious. But definitely there is an attention given to the richer people of this world. Definitely there is attention given to people who are well-dressed, who come in fancy cars, who live in huge houses. Definitely, we have to accept the truth that there is partiality in the churches. Now, when we look at our church setting, since this, these verses are based on the church setting, 
So let's focus on the church setting. Now in churches, spiritual leaders or elders and even members have to make sure that partiality does not creep up in any form. Is it possible to be like that without partiality? Of course, definitely. When we have the Holy Spirit and we listen to the Holy Spirit, we are only filled with love. Despite how that person is dressed or despite his circumstances or despite his situation, a child of God is able to overlook all those negative factors and be able to love that person as a human being and as a fellow sister or brother in Christ. Imagine how beautiful our churches would be if elders and leaders and believers kept looking at a person as a human being, as a fellow brother and sister, rather than basing it on their wealth or their physical assets or any such thing or on their outward appearance, but completely basing it on the love of Christ. What a radical change that would be, such a radical change. You know, sometimes when you, when you go to churches or for functions, we find that, you know, spiritual leaders and elders and uh, believers, including us, of course, I mean, including us, we make great speeches about, you know, um, being kind to everybody or being Christ-like or even, you know, respecting the uh, old people or the elderly. I have yet to see, I think in all my life, I have only seen one situation where a priest or a pastor has actually gone out of their way to make sure that they are helping an elderly person climb, um, you know, stairs or helping that person to be seated in a crowd. I have only seen that like maybe maximum twice or three times. That's, that's all I've seen of spiritual leaders or elders actually going out of their way. Now, the thing is that we have to understand something. When somebody, an elderly person, is struggling to climb up a stairs or struggling to do something, none of us are beyond helping that person to the point that we ignore it. None of us. Even as a believer, let's forget the leaders, but even as a believer, our... Christian duty is to make sure that we are there to help other people, whether it's a church context, whether it's a function, whether it is any situation. Even if we go shopping out at a supermarket, if we see somebody struggling, whoever it is, it's always a very love-like gesture, which is very Christ-like, to go out of our way and help that person. That's what we are in society for. That's why Jesus calls us the light of the world. But when we keep showing partiality and when we keep, um, you know, uh, refusing people who don't dress like us or who don't look like us, we can also be very kind to them. Kindness supersedes any language. Believe me, kindness speaks a lot. Kindness in our voices, in our gestures, in our body language itself is such a polite Christian way of handling different people. Even when a beggar comes, you know, if you're in a place where there are beggars, there's always a level of kindness in saying a no, a kind no. 
it's our choice to be able to be impartial to people around us sometimes we miss that sometimes in the family context of course i'm going further on in a family context all of us as parents sometimes we've made that mistake of showing partiality or talking about our children in different light from each other or maybe you know highlighting a child's um gender and saying oh you know my son is or being uh, partial to our male children or being partial to male relatives all these in different degrees or different forms can be in different forms in different people's lives it's not a general um you know general attitude it's not it's very specific to each individual and when we think back we realize you know when we go into a store how is our attitude to the cashier how is our attitude to the bank teller or how is our attitude to the security who forces us to park the way that he wants all these are you know tiny tiny details which speak volumes of our stand in Christ we are christians we are born again because of his blood and when we look at other people's opinion or attitude of us we should be kinder more merciful and even in churches if everyone puts in an effort especially spiritual leaders and elders to make sure that partiality is not at all present in their own churches oh wow amazing amazing transformation in all these churches amazing transformation in all the believers amazing transformation in every christian this is how we should be all of us including me very much we have been partial in different areas of our lives i'm going to pray so that we recognize the areas in which we have been partial to anybody or to any situation or whatever it is even our words or our thinking our attitudes and don't forget in verse in james chapter 2 in this verse which is kind of like it's quite scary it says for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy mercy triumphs over judgment maybe we are quick to judge other people but maybe we are not merciful enough mercy or kindness or compassion has to triumph over judgment that is who a christian is amen shall we pray heavenly father thank you so much for this time that we can spend in your presence that we can come before you thank you so much for who you are in all our lives thank you jesus for dying on that cross for us thank you for showing us the way of humility lord you were so kind on this earth to so many people whether they were poor they were sick whatever whatever their circumstance was or issue was you were just there for them your presence so evident in all their lives i know jesus you are still alive and you are working in our midst help us lord to be impartial help us to be to have eyes of kindness to have words of kindness to have hearts that are melting when we see people who need our help or who are not able to do things on their own help us to be kind to the poor in this world help us to be humble no matter who we are even if we are the in the topmost position 
of our churches or our businesses. Help us to be Christ-like in everything, to be kind and compassionate. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for filling us with the Holy Spirit and recognizing where we need to become filled with your love, your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for each of my listeners. Thank you so much for this power of technology where we can reach out to so many around the world. Thank you. Surrender myself. Help us all to have clearer eyes and vision about who we are in Christ and to be able to live Christ-like. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for joining me today. God bless you abundantly till the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Welcome to Positively Addicted by Elizabeth Matthew. The title of today's podcast is From Empty to Plenty. In Luke chapter 5 verses 1 right up to 11, we read of a very interesting incident. This was before Jesus called his disciples and what exactly happened for them to become his disciples. In Luke chapter 5 verse 1 onwards, it says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So when we read this, we unquote, when we read this, we understand that they were already done for the day, that they had already started washing their nets, which means that it was the end of their working time. Then in verse 3, it says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Unquote. Peter, Peter actually let Jesus use his boat. There were two boats in verse 2. But in verse 3, he asked Simon for, to put him out a little from the land while he was sitting in the boat so that he could sit down in the boat and teach the multitudes. Sometimes I wonder, what is the qualification of Peter for Jesus to make him such a prominent disciple and later on an apostle in the Bible. Maybe one of it could be that when Jesus asked for his boat, he willingly gave his boat. Could be. I mean, of course, it is already predestined that Peter would be an amazing disciple and apostle. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen in Peter's life. Then in verse 4, it says, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I'm going to repeat that. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, this is actually a carpenter who's telling the fishermen where to launch out and to let down his nets for a catch. 
verse 5 says it's very interesting but simon answered and said to him master we have toiled all night and caught nothing nevertheless at your word i will let down the net unquote now it's very interesting when we look at you know each one of our lives some of us you know i think most of us will go through seasons of nothingness emptiness where we feel empty we feel like we have achieved nothing we feel like you know our life is almost going to end because nothing good has come out of it and then we get into uh, you know a state of self pity or victimization or we feel depressed or sad now let me say something about each one of us as human beings regardless of <clears throat> who we are regardless of what family we come from regardless of our jobs our positions our wealth regardless regardless of all this there's a bottom line common thread that binds us all together knowingly and unknowingly the common thread is that of our souls are seeking always something better our need for a savior is there in the depths of our heart we might not know it we might not realize it but when you look at our lives sometimes we feel oh our marriages are so empty there's no point continuing sometimes we feel oh our children are not going the way that we want you know so much of emptiness in them and then you look at your job or your business or your career or your financial status or your reputation and then you think oh all this is for nothing it's like king solomon who says in the end of his days he says everything is just nothing it's like just a passing of a wind so when we look back on each one of our lives there have been moments of nothingness there have been moments of emptiness sometimes we're still going through that moment of emptiness or we might go through that moment of emptiness we don't know each one of our lives are very unpredictable but we do have let's let's acknowledge this all of us do have seasons of emptiness but for different reasons and in different percentages that's the only difference bottom line is we all feel empty at different points in our lives and it could be at points in our life where we feel like there is no one for us usually emptiness comes like that it comes as a result of loneliness or you know i have nobody or i don't have a support system or i don't have friends or i don't have relatives who are you know well meaning or have good intentions so there could be a lot of myriad of reasons but here when you look at it peter being a fisherman he says master we have toiled all night and caught nothing nevertheless at your word i will let down the net you know the difference about peter at this point when you read about peter you realize something i mean you and i will realize something really important something crucial the fact of the matter is he is a fisherman he's been doing this for years probably as a family he's been continuing this profession now all night they have toiled all night fishermen know exactly where the catch of fish is they are experts they are professional people who know exactly the movements of the sea the movements of the fish it's all it's nothing new to them 
Now here is a carpenter because Peter at that time is looking at Jesus as a master or a rabbi or a teacher, right? And he says, he tells him as a fact, he says, we have toiled all night, we have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. This is crucial. All of us go through seasons of, you know, we work all night or we work for years or we keep toiling. We keep toiling for different reasons, for different people, for diff in different situations. And then we feel like we caught nothing. But we find in verse 6 onwards, when they had done this, that means when they had obeyed the Lord in letting down the net, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Imagine that. From nothing, from emptiness, now they've come to plenty, too much, right? And then in verse 7, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Imagine that. The weight of the fish was so much that this huge boat, don't think of it as a tiny boat, it's not. It's a huge boat and both the boats began to sink. So that was the amount of catch that Peter got in obedience to this master. And then in verse 8, now this is, the, this is such an interesting uh, verse. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, over the years, whenever I read this verse, I keep wondering, what is the connection between the prosperity that he just saw and the fact that he's a sinner, what is the connection? And then you realize Peter knew it was impossible for a man like Jesus, who has a background of carpentry, to figure out exactly where to launch the net and to catch the fish. He realized his inadequacy or unworthiness in the presence of Christ. You know, sometimes we as believers think that if a person uh, is brought to financial ruin or has a terrible disease or, you know, is, uh, you know, their lives are like totally messed up or they have always lack, that's when they will come to Christ. I think this is a total misconception. From this one incident, we, we, incident, we realize that from plenty also, People can repent from affluence, from prosperity. Let's not forget that from the beginning of the Bible, you, when we talk about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, we always think of them as, oh, you know, people, old people, you know, they didn't have much. No, they were very affluent, very, very affluent people. King Solomon was one of the richest kings in history. Amazing, amazing. That's King David's son, King Solomon. Now, the point of the matter is that God can call anyone from the trillionaire right down to the uh, poorest of poor. He goes across communities, across classes, across races, across gender, across discrimination to call people for his work or for his name. That's how Jesus deals with people. And then uh, now coming back to verse 9, 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So they were all business partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So obviously Peter had some fear in him, some worry in him. Maybe the worry that, you know, he's been working all night, no fish, and that's his livelihood. He has a family. We read that his mother-in-law was with him and he obviously had a family. So maybe Peter was at that point in his life where he felt, I have nothing. How am I going to go on? But Jesus at that right moment, he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I don't think Peter understood this to be honest, I don't think he understood the phrase when Jesus said, do not be afraid. I'm sure he understood that. But the second part, from now on, you will catch men. I think he was clueless. I think he was clueless. And then in verse 11, it says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So the impact of that catch of fish brought about a complete leaving of that profession to follow Jesus. This carpenter, at that time he was a carpenter, my background is a carpenter. So the fishermen, once they realized that Jesus was special, he knew exactly what he was talking about, that they were willing to forsake everything and follow him. So the prosperous catch of fish, technically the prosperous, catch of fish led to repentance. Let's not be under the assumption that, you know, if you're poor, if you are struggling, you know, financially, I mean, of course, Jesus deals during those times also. Many people have come to the Lord during their worst financial crisis. Many people have come to the Lord when they had an illness or their family member had an illness. Of course, many people come to Jesus when their marriages are in ruin or they realize that they need Jesus to come in and intervene. So there are different, different situations in a person's life. What I'm trying to say to each one of my precious listeners is that do not limit yourself to the fact that only if you have a lack, Jesus will deal with you. Because in prosperity as well, he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. But only thing is that we should not get distracted by the prosperity. But our focus should always be on Jesus. That is key. Like Jesus says in Matthew 5, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So there is an automatic addition. With Jesus, there is no, uh, uh, you know, lack. There is no minus because Jesus is everything. He's the one, he's the only one who said in me, you have peace. You can overcome the world. He's the only one who died on the cross for you and me. Let's face it. Let's not keep struggling against this truth. But let's face it. It is only Jesus who died on that cross for you and me. I am free today, not because of who I am. I am free because my spirit is free in Christ. Because he has died for my sins. He has died for my sicknesses. He has died for my curses. He has died. He has come alive from death to give me life. To give you life. That's it. It's as simple as that. There's no complication to this. Once we see the amazing plenty of peace that Christ can give, we humble ourselves and ask the Lord, 
to fill us with that peace that only Jesus can give. Amen. And he's such a comforting God. The way he tells Peter, do not be afraid. So many times in the New Testament, Jesus says, do not fear. Be comforted or be encouraged. Be of good cheer. He's such an amazing, amazing Savior. There is none like him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I surrender myself. I surrender my listeners in your precious hands. Thank you so much for revealing your word to us. Thank you for the love that is just jumping out from these pages in the Bible. Your love, your compassion, your blood sacrifice. All this is just coming to us. Lord, Katawe, Jesus, I don't know. I don't know what situation my listeners are in, but you know. Whatever emptiness they are feeling, Jesus, I surrender it completely in your hands. I surrender each one's needs, each one's emptiness, each one's plenty in your hands. Help each one to open or give their boats or open their hearts to you so that you will make any emptiness and nothingness plenty. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Help us to focus on you and know that you are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. There is none like you. Thank you so much for blessing each of my listeners with your best. Thank you for keeping them safe and precious in your hands. Heal them if any is sick. I pray for complete healing. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will be your continued kindness will be on each of them. Thank you. Surrender myself too. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Till the next time, may you keep smiling and know that Jesus is in you. Thank you. Bye.